Hello and welcome to episode number two of the Corner Kicker podcast. I'm joined today by Manchester City fan Kieran, Gunners fan Joseph, the Italian stallion Josh, who isn't even Italian and isn't even here yet. We hope he joins later. And new guy Owen, who is also unfortunately an Arsenal fan. In today's episode, we'll be discussing today's Premier League fixtures, the Nations League final, as well as a crazy red card in the Serie A. Boys, say hello. Well, how are we doing? Uh, good week, good week, you know. Alright, so, well, it's this perfect segue into topic number one. Uh, Inter-Miami versus the Columbus Crew. A 4-0 defeat away from home. Shambolic performance. Kieran, you and I watched this game. What are your initial thoughts? You know, I, I watched the game, and I know, you know, I, it sounds cliche, but... I saw a market improvement in our attack around like the 68th minute. Um, and that was also when Julian Carranza entered the field. So I don't want to say he was the only reason, because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like that good. But he adds an energy to our attack that uh, that we really need. So I, I really suggest our, ne- our next two games are at home against the two worst teams in the league. Without doubt. You know, I said that we probably need at least a point today. This was shambolic. Realistically, our chances of making the playoffs are less than 1%. If we don't get six points for the next two games, it's over. I say we give Carranza a run out. Play like Vaslov. I thought was decent. Play him. Get Morgan out of the defense. He's you know he's he's arguably our best creator. I don't know why he's not playing right, right wing back Morgan. Yeah, I'm not not a fan of that. I don't know why he brought out Whittier. He was actually defense. looking okay. Yeah. Um. I, next <clears> game, <throat> I better see no Matuidi. Of course, he's well. He's leaving at the end of the season anyway. So I, I just don't want to see him play again in a, in a Miami shirt. Uh, let's just you know, let's just play like a four four two. Let's you know, let's let's play a little more classic. Stop trying to play Neville ball. Start trying to play like actual soccer. And I think I, I still back this team to make the playoffs. But yeah, I think we're depends. we're trying to play better than we actually are. I think it's pretty clear at this point that uh, we're trash. Um, you said that we're playing the two worst teams in the league. I think it's also worth mentioning that uh, we're probably the third worst team in the league. So. You know, these I mean, next Cincinnati. two games. At home to Cincinnati and Toronto, two teams which we have beaten in the past, but, I mean, we're on the worst run of format probably in club history. Today, it was just terrible. Terrible to watch. Basically Laird a waste of time. Laird has got to go. <laughs> okay, well, you know, it puts, puts everything in a bad mood starting with Inter Miami, but hopefully we can pick things up. <laughs> into our first main topic, the Nations League final. This was this game was a little while ago, but did anyone watch it? Talk like, about did it. anyone? I watched it. You, okay, besides John. Okay, I watched it a little. I bit. did not watch it. Okay, well, all you need to know is that the English refs got their hands on a game again, and Mbappe's goal. I think general consensus is that it was offsides. Um, I, I agree. The reasoning was that. Eric Garcia, who was the defending center back, tried to block the pass into Mbappe, and therefore by playing the ball, played Mbappe onside, which makes zero sense. Yeah. What is he supposed to do? Just let it go through? So, (laughs) not really sure about that. Um, Yeah. Karim Benzema, um, right after the scored, he scored brilliant goal. Curler to the top right corner. I mean, I really think the the Spanish goalkeeper can't be doing better there. Yeah, he does you get know. a finger to it, but it's... it's Unai Simon, I'm not the biggest fan of Unai Simon. I think David De Gea, I think we should be backing him. 
Yeah, I no, think he had. He must have had a knock before. Otherwise, I think he would have been in. But and the strongest Spain squad, I think De Gea definitely starts. Um, going back to Benzema, of course, he and Mbappe looking absolutely deadly up top together. Um, I think just Benzema, you know, Mbappe is. Well, he did score. Team. I thought Mbappe looked decent. Um, obviously, this is the partnership that <clears throat> we're almost guaranteed to see next season at Real Madrid when they sign him on a free. Could have signed him this oh, yeah. summer, but PSG turned down 200 million euros. Not really sure what they're thinking there. Um, I feel like... Um, oh, sorry. No, no continue, uh, continue. But I feel like Mbappe is more of a creator type, which really works well with Benzema, who's your classic put-the-ball-in-the-net finisher. As yeah. I mean, even more than a ball-in-the-net finisher, as we got shown by the goal. Gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I'm just pulling up his stats right now. He's yeah, got... Yeah, for, like, in terms of, like, I think in the league, he has, like, the most XA and then, like, Champions League group stage. It, and, like, yeah, just generally, he's getting a lot of assists. He's not really scoring a lot. He's not a very good finisher. Um, we know, like, in terms of striking quality, he's not world-class, right? Doesn't have a lot of... Are you talking about Benzema? I'm talking about Mbappe. Oh, okay, well, uh, Mr. Not-So-Good-At <laughs> Finishing has nine goals in eight games. In where? Liga? La Liga. We're talking about Benzema. I'm talking about Mbappe. That's what I'm talking oh, about. you're talking about Mbappe. Okay. I'm talking about Mbappe. Yeah. Of course Benzema's all around. But I'm saying the reason why Mbappe's role works so well is because like, in PSG, he's had to adapt because he's not really good enough to play at like that top level right now. So I think he's sort Top of, level? Yeah, I don't think he's good enough to play in like a... Um, you know, a in the Farmers League. Are you trying to say that he's overrated? I don't think he'd score 20 goals in a prem season. I agree with you there. I don't I think, think he'd score. Yeah. If, if he came like in his first season, I think he'd score ten max. Like realistically, uh, I, I think we're looking in the fifteen. You know, this but... Spain team, I think it's criminally underrated. I think people really sleep on this Spain team. I said it at the Euros. The Spain team will make it far. And honestly, I think if the first ten players on the team sheet, all top quality players, good creators, a good midfield, a lot of mixtures of talent there. One in particular, I don't think Eric Garcia should be starting though. Yeah, Garcia. There are a couple weak points, but overall it's good. But the main issue I think they have is, is there a, position. Is there a main duo? Yeah. I think it's Laporte and Pau Torres right now. That's a pretty good duo. Yeah, that's all right. And Garcia played yeah. today. Ramos, but... I'm assuming he's like retired. I think they should also give Robert Sanchez a start too. Maybe he because he's playing great for Brighton. Yeah, he was on the bench with De Gea today. Yeah. The Spain team, I think they have potential at the World Cup. What's up? a player like Mikel Oyatabal up top or have Ooh. Alvaro Morata because Alvaro Morata's performance at the Euros. Yeah, was I think we all remember that. Good. That was, uh, yeah, it's quite shocking. Yeah, uh, some highs and lows, put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, Morata's, you know, he's proven to be world class, whereas Oyatabal, I, I, I'm not convinced that he's a good player. But I don't think he's like overhyped or anything. I think he's got he's got quality, but he's got. A there are a lot of similarities to the Manchester City team. You know, lots of creators, a good midfield, solid defense, but no striker. Well, they have strikers. Well, they have strikers, just no good strikers. Well, City don't have any recognized strikers. <laughs> they have they have. I mean, Fran is injured now, so he's not an option. Morad is good. He's he's a good striker. Um, is not a striker. And I, I just, think Gavi. Has oh, a lot right. of potential. That's that's the other point I really wanted to bring up. Gavi, seventeen years old, played like maybe half a dozen games for Barcelona, then just thrown into the Spain starting eleven in a international final. I mean, what a past couple weeks it's been for this kid. Um, barely older than us, 
what are we doing sitting here? We should be out there. How old is he? He's 17. He's 17, yeah. Gavi. I think the thing is that the reason we see Gavi play much better in the Spain team, obviously, than in the Barcelona is because look at the manager for a second. Luis Enrique, proven manager, wins trophies. You know, he always gets the team to a final. Luis Enrique, he's a good manager, good tactics and everything. But at Coleman in Barcelona, we, King we, Coleman. Can't say, we cannot say the same. Yeah, he's, he's attacking his own players and all. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Gavi, Gavi isn't a class though. player, but, you know. It's, he's, he's got the team to finish top four. He's, 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 he's like a decent player. There's a lot of okay players at Barca right now. <laughs> um, I want to touch on Enrique's style, though, because one of uh, the biggest changes and the most notable style of Enrique is that huge possession stat that he yeah. just loves. What do you guys I think? We think, saw that like, in the Euros. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the game against Sweden. I don't remember if it was knockout or qualifying, but they had something crazy like. 80% possession they ended up like tying. Yeah. I, mean, I like it. I honestly like it. And plus, like, usually in these games, like against Croatia, you know, I mean, I was very watching the game. Spain got a, a ton of shots. It's like, it's not a lie that Spain do get a lot of opportunities. Once again, that comes back to the striker debate. Striker position. Yep. There is no good clinical striker for Spain at the moment right now. It yeah, does. Can... One thing they're missing. Whatever psycholi- psychologically wrong with Marata, I mean, it's probably too late in his career now to fix it. But if he was able to, you know, tweak whatever, you know, goes through his mind in front of goal, because he's he makes the runs, he gets into good positions, he's a good athlete. Yeah. He just chokes in front of net. So if they could, if he could somehow figure out a way to, you know, sort his brain out when he's in front of net, I think the Spain team could be elevated to a new level and really contend for the next you know, national I'm, tournament the world I'm cup gonna go bold here i think spain could definitely make it to the final of the world cup Ooh. if you know well, i think they were, they were the favorites at the euros for sure i mean no they, they, well, were, they, they were they were not favorites for me they, they were, were not I mean, who who had a better team going into the euros in spain uh, france france, france really belgium yeah. been capped their main Portugal. attacker hadn't had a cap well no not not italy italy was the under yeah no not italy i think italy had a better squad no, well, you thought that after they like got won all their games in the group stage, but Luis Enrique has like a Pep Guardiola style. The only reason he didn't succeed at Barca is because the team did not match his style at all. Like he had didn't succeed at like, Barca. 35. Didn't they win the treble? They they won a treble. What do you mean? No, wait, I'm talking <laughs> he about Enrique. Left the club to go on national duty. Oh my god! He left the club. He didn't get sacked. He left the club pretty willingly. He's still basically at the club, you know. Euros didn't yeah. pick a single Real Madrid player. Left oh, yeah, yeah, I'm na- sure. I'm national sure. captain Sergio Ramos. I could home. see him, and that goes into another thing. Maybe we'll talk about it a bit later. The idea of um, of Pep leaving City, it looking more and more likely that he'll leave. That this is it will be his penultimate season. Uh, names been floated as to like early replacements. Obviously, there's always like um, players like uh, or managers like Nagelsmann before he joined Bayern. Was like seen as like okay, maybe he'll replace him if Pep leaves this year. Uh, I know Brendan Rodgers is now being touted as one of the one of the main candidates. I think Luis Enrique, um, if he, you know, after the World Cup, you know, that's that's going to be right after, right? He could decide to, to leave Spain after the World Cup. Uh, I think he'd be a fantastic replacement for Oriol, So Yeah, I think any club would take Luis Enrique. Yeah, but, I, uh, I would love him at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. Yeah. Then again, you no. have to admit that Luis Enrique's lack of a striker at Spain would help with the lack of striker at City. At but he doesn't pick his team. Not, not at Arsenal. Arsenal. Like, I mean, Aubameyang really is good. Like, know, Luis Suarez was lethal under Enrique. Yeah. It's, you know. That no. first season when he came to Barcelona, 14-15, I think that's also when they won the triple. 
yeah. unbelievable. MSN. If he shows up at the club and Ferran Torres is 22, he's got, you know, and that, that's better than Suarez probably at that point. So we'll see. I think Whoa. Foden and uh, Ferran are going to kind of be like Pep's like legacy at the club once he leaves. And, you know, the really, two of them could the well, well, Grealish. Yes. You pay a hundred million for a player. You shouldn't be, you know, creating them. They should already be. Already oh, made. yeah. I think the biggest legacy is going to be Ruben Deej. He's for, a top player. Uh, top baller. Right. Like, De Bruyne was, oh, he wasn't created, but, like, he was at the club at City. It was, most of it was during Pep Guardiola. All right. Enough City. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, we'll come back All right. One later. last thing before we move on to the Premier League. I just want to touch on the France midfield, just because I feel like every time we watch France play, it's Pogba plus one other. Pogba has a world pl- class game, the other guy has a world class game. And then he goes back to United, and we'll get to that later. But a Pogba <laughs> what club to a Pogba play for? I never actually saw him show up for the club. So that's yeah. that's that's a good one. Classic Pogba <laughs> and to a Chaney in midfield. Unbelievable performance. I just yeah. I just I, I always like to touch on it because it's just it's parallel. I think Chuachiami, Sorry if I mispronounced his name. I think he should make a club like make a move to a bigger club. Yeah. in summer maybe potentially looking at Arsenal. Of course, he he would, bigger. He would fit. It wouldn't He's down Joseph. Bigger than no, Monaco. No. Well, yeah, much we're still there. We're still still there. You know, and like he would fit right into the team. You know, Lakanga, like he's good, but he's he's been a little bit shocking. I mean, I think but him the thing is, right, like, would be a great duo. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking something up. You gonna, you know. Okay, well, while he's doing that, any final thoughts on the, the match overall? Do we like the Nations League? It's better than those stupid, mindless friendlies, for sure, in my opinion. Yeah, I like them. It's better than seeing Ronaldo's stat pad against Luxembourg and oh. England's stat pad against Andorra. <laughs> well, know, James Sancho making a 40-year-old strain his hamstring because he ran yeah, that, so fast. That, that, <laughs> I do think we should touch on that. That was on what? pretty unbelievable. Jaden Sancho Kids. ripping up the Andorran defense, making that forty-year-old midfielder. Andorra. Yeah, that was actually string. a good match. I, I really enjoyed Foden's performance, man of the match. It's Andorra. Know. It's Andorra. It, it was just funny. But oh, Joseph, enough about. Yeah, by the way, I was just making sure, like uh, Monaco, you know, did make a UCL semifinal um, <laughs> before, and that was that was more recent than the last time Arsenal finished top four. So you know, it's, it's, okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. Evidence doesn't lie, but that's enough of that international stuff. I think international break overall, it was good, and but I think we all prefer. I wish it. And let's not forget who Monaco beat that year in the Champions League. Oh yes. Yeah. I was also just going to mention like people that two people that really deserve more recognition for the international break. Obviously, I think Ferran Torres. Um, the rumors come out. It's really sad. He may not play again this calendar year. Um, who? Ferran. Ferran. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's uh, so it's he ended really well. He got I think two goals in the semifinal, so it's uh, you know that's tough. Obviously, De Bruyne, we've seen him. He scored in back-to-back Prem games now. We'll touch on that later, but you know he he got the three assists in 120 minutes against arguably two of, if not the two best sides in the world right now internationally. Uh, really seems to be on top form. Doesn't seem to have great finishers for either Belgium or City. So. You know, we'll see uh, how the team works with him right now because it seems like he – I don't think he has any Premier League assists yet. Obviously, he's only really started like two games. Um, maybe yeah, – I think he's only started two league games um, and like, you know, played them through. So, Just a reminder, this was the international break section, not the Kieran dissects Manchester City section. Yeah, yeah I know. And I'll, I'll get to, I'll go more in detail later. But it's just – it's really interesting to see his role evolving. Uh, will we see him play false nine like he did last year? I don't think so, but I think we'll see him play – 
in more of a, you know, final third in and outside the box role. Okay, well, enough about the international break. Now we will talk about, you know, actual serious teams, unlike Manchester City. Watford versus Liverpool, the early game this morning. Um, I mean, Mohamed Salah, Bobby Firmino. Liverpool looked like a real force. I mean, once again, I think this is where we really have to talk right here. Liverpool, they do look like a force against these small teams. Against Mm -hmm. Chelsea, we saw it. You know, they struggled against Chelsea on 10 men, to be fair. Against City, you know, City were dominating most of the match. Mohamed Salah has gone in again and saved them from, you know, losing these big teams. I think the problem here is that they cannot do it on the big stage. That's why I don't think they're going to do good in the Champions League. All right. But in the Maybe, league, but... Do you think it's, do you, are you suggesting that it's only a one or two horse race and Liverpool aren't like one of the main challengers? I, I still think Liverpool are main challengers because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, not every team in the Prem is obviously a big team. So, and the thing is that these big teams, you know, were, I mean, a lot of them choke, you know, United. Well, you United know, some big, big teams, teams are, they're, they're, not they're at least I'm not talking about United, teams. I'm talking about the, the title challengers. You know, Arsenal, uh, we've choked we've choked a couple games too. We would have been title race. Once again, Joseph, we're talking about big teams. Yeah, yeah, like you know. No, right no, now the only big, big the only big teams in the Prem, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, right? Are Liverpool on that caliber? Are they above the other two? Are they below the other two? Are they right? United. The I, I would say they're they're up there. They're up there. Yeah, it's, I think it's a pretty pretty balanced three team race around. Liverpool look very solid. They, they you know, Mo Salah, yes, he's kind of carrying the attack. Firmino got, you know, three goals today. Three tap-in goals? Yeah, I, I don't... Not, I, not I, I genuinely, I was watching the house. I don't remember him taking it, like, a, any of them being outside the six-yard box. And they were all, like, open nets. But, you know, it goes a goal. goes a goal, whatever. I think it would be unfair of us if we didn't mention Mohamed Salah's goal. You know, five, four or five Watford players standing around him. Does a couple of nice little touches on the ball. Fakes a shot with the right foot, puts one of the Watford defenders on the floor, curls it far post past Ben Foster. I think we're probably there are many great goals today, but that could be up there for goal of the month. Oh yeah, um, sure. Yeah, definitely. That reminded was, me of a, a JG Ten classic. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I think not really talk much about the cycling keeper. Yes, not no. really much else to talk about other than demolition, but uh. Apparently, we got news after the game that Ben Foster, who the is the Watford goalie, who also has a YouTube channel that many of you may have heard of called the Cycling GK, um, where he does vlogs about anything about the Premier League. He's on multiple podcasts. Who knows? Maybe we'll get him on here one day. Um, apparently, after the game, after conceding five goals, he asked uh, Mohammed's forever Mohammed Salah's shirt for a giveaway for his YouTube channel. Um, I, I, I can't even like take that seriously. I'm just I'm imagining that in my head. I can't take I can't take him seriously. It's just every time I see him like concede a goal, I'm just imagining <laughs> him just like you know, he's going up after like oh you know yeah talking to the defense and it's it, like you you see him on the YouTube channel right and it's just like so he's, he's, he's very he's friendly guy taking more time talking to the GoPro than he is talking to his yeah own it's not like, and he's not a good goalkeeper is he like he's not he's not very good and he he's he lets in a lot average. of kind of easy goals. <laughs> And it's just like, you know, he, he goes up you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, and like the final day, he's going to go up to like Jesus or something and be like, oh, you know, sorry, mate, this lad that got us relegated, proper legend though. Like, come on, man, like, like take this seriously, please. Okay, on to the next match. Um, there were, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that today was 
almost every game was a real thrilling watch. Um, we had a great comeback, Aston Villa versus Wolves. Villa 2-0 up until the 80th minute where Wolves scored three goals away from home. All three pretty scrappy goals, but three goals yeah. nonetheless to win it 3-2, climaxing with a Ruben Neves free kick that deflected off Matt Target. Um, wrong-footed the Villa goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez. I mean, uh, this is I was what the Premier League is all about. No. Yep. Villa were dominating... And I mean, they were absolutely dominating that match, essentially. McGinn scored a good goal. Ings, good goal, you know, that got me a couple points at FPL. <laughs> now, Wolves, you know, Adama Chare, I don't know if you guys are watching the game, but he, yeah. if you guys oh, are watching yeah. the highlights, but he made this one run, Yeah, and he was this close to scoring. If he scored that goal, that would have been possibly even goal this season right there. Thank he you. ran from the other half, from his half of the pitch to the other side. And, you know, we can't finish songs. If that guy could finish, I think we're probably looking at, like, the best player in the world. Maybe not yeah. the best, but certainly, I mean, you know. Well, he like the second most Salah, though. Yeah. But, like, yeah, but for, like, that second goal, for example, I think it was the second goal, maybe it was the first goal, he had just an, an amazing turn and, like, a, a little cross, like a ding to the back post. I don't think yeah. he got the assist. I think he got played back across the face. But he's, he was exceptional with that. I mean, he was, he was really <laughs> man of the match. When he gets <laughs> running, he is, frankly, impossible to stop. You just yeah, he's you huge, stop. wickedly quick. It's just a joy to watch him play, and I feel bad for him. With the baby oil, you know, of course, no stopping him. Yeah, the baby oil, as we and, know. I mean, you just find your eyes just watching him the entire time instead of just you know the classy yeah, little was. possession. You're just waiting for him to get the ball in the wing. Yeah. Yep. Overall, though, another great game. Um go to the next match, the late match of the day, and then we'll get into um, the two Manchester clubs. Chelsea versus Brentford. A good game, you know, up until around the 70th minute when Brentford really turned up the heat, battering the Chelsea goal, and then I think we've just got to praise one man in particular here, Edward Mendy. I don't have the exact number of saves, I'll get it in a second, but I mean, unbelievable goalkeeping. The entire, you know, 20 minutes from the 70th minute to the end, Wol- or, uh, Brentford were just hammering the goal. Long throw-ins, corners, shots. There were scrambles in the box. I think mm-hmm. Edward Mendy got hit in the face half a dozen times. Yeah. Just incredible goalkeeping. And the bicycle kick as well. Like just a, yes, at the like end. 93rd minute yeah. or something. And Norgard. players going in. Yeah. You know, and like I'm looking at the stats right now. Brentford have had they had way more shots. They, Brentford had seven shots on target compared to Chelsea's one shot on target. Chelsea had zero point four expected goals, and uh, Brentford had one point six expected goals. Yeah, I think we can really make an argument here, you know. And for the past few games, it's also been like this for Chelsea, where they barely scraped through unexpected goals. You know, these guys barely scraped through this Chelsea team. They just parked the bus, and you know they get lucky wins. Like right now, like I don't think Chelsea can consistently do this. You know. Like, yeah, it's only going to work for so long. The way the, the way that the lineup is created, you know, you look, you've got Werner and Lukaku up top, and then really behind them, you could argue that every single player, maybe except for Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek, but they're not exactly attacking players either, is a defensive-minded player, which means that if they get the first goal, Tuchel doesn't even have to make changes. He can just, you know, flip the switch in the team, and they can go into this defensive show where they can handle, you know, away from home, countless countless crosses um shots 
little bits of creative play. They can handle everything just because they've got so many defensive players blocking the goal. And I think that's where we come back to the negative connotation of Tuchel ball where they just, you know, they get the first goal and then it's park the bus for the rest of the game. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Don't like it. Yeah, but I think after this game, and I think we saw it, I think Brentford Arsenal was the first game of the Premier League season. It was, yeah. Yep. Now, Brentford, are, they're shocking me so far, I will admit. When they're you play Brentford away from home, that looks like a difficult fixture and not something that any team should be looking forward to under the lights yep. in London. Which brings On up to our next game. Oh, never what? mind. No, uh, no was... if you've got something, let's hear it. Where do you think? What do you think, Kepa's? What's going to happen with Kepa now that Eduard? I is think Kepa stayed on that team for. I think. I think he's leaving. He's right? shootouts. Are the uh, clubs interested, like um, in Syria and all the other three clubs? Yeah, I think if they on the cheap, I think a team would take him. I think something about the pressure in their Premier League. Just uh, you know, we've seen couples past couple seasons really high profile errors, but I think there's still a good player in there, and hopefully. For him, he can find his form again, and that probably will be at a different club. And just before we move on, just one more thing to mention. I just have the stats pulled up here. In the second half, Chelsea had one shot, uh, zero on target. Uh, meanwhile, Brentford had 15 shots, and Edward Mendy made six saves in that half. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, Crazy second half. They had, yeah, Brentford had 32 touches in the Chelsea box. Chelsea had five touches in the Brentford box. Yeah, I think that highlights the Tuchel ball parking the bus. For those who don't know what parking the bus is, it's just ultra-defensive, basically. Well, you call it parking the bus, but Brentford quite literally stepped on that bus until the point it was about to break. The only reason it didn't break was because of Eduard Mendy. Yep. Yeah. All right. Five more minutes. Brentford's You know, I I still think Ramsdale could put on a better performance. True. All right. All right, Arsenal fans, we've heard enough. On to our next game, Leicester City. I'm already having flashbacks. Leicester City versus Manchester United. Absolutely. 4-2 to the Foxes. Oh, my God. Oh, we saw it's coming a while away. It's uh, the better team won. Higher quality team, better coach team, better players. Let's just go through the timeline here because <laughs> I think right. it tells the story well. Greenwood, you know, a couple minutes on the clock, scores what, you know, I'm thinking is... Probably the goal of the game. Cuts inside onto his left foot. An unbelievable strike to the top left corner. And then minutes later, Yuri Tielemans produces, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a cross yeah. shot into the far corner. Yeah, no stopping that. Yeah. You know, and I, I really did not have have hope for Leicester this game. Because, you know, they were, they've been in bad form in Leicester City. Oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. Was they they lost to Burnley, you know. Like, let me check out their but, losses. You know, hey, United, yeah, they, they don't, don't win easy games. They don't win big games. Um, they're mid-day. Like, Leicester, they haven't looked too good, but they, you know, they they went bold today. They went big. Yep. And I don't Man. think something went big since like, United played trash. Leicester take the lead 2-1 from Soyuncu, and then Marcus Rashford comes on after, of course, surgery after the Euros. I think he had back and ankle surgery, so pretty serious stuff. It was really bothering him towards the tail end of last season. Um, gets the surgery, comes back to full fitness, is now a doctor by title, I believe, after getting it from the University of Manchester. Comes on, scores a classic Rashford goal, Lindelof ball over the top, Rashford runs through the back line, just barely onside, as usual, and perfect finish past Michael. United are thinking, you know, 2-2, going to get back into the game. 
50 seconds later, 54 seconds later, Jamie Vardy scores to make it 3-2. It's just... You know, United really looks scrappy here. Yeah. And it all comes down to one man and one man only. Yep. Well, before, I think you can blame the manager all you want, but it's an interesting choice. Like, I know, speaking of doctors, like, which one allowed Harry Maguire to play this? Because he was, I, I kid you, I, I saw him, he, he walked, like, across the box for that Tillman school, and it was, like, his yep. man, and he just didn't care. But here's the thing. If Iran's out injured, right? Bayern yep. and Lindelof are fit. And Bayern's not fit a lot. So, like, he's actually, like, okay when he's fit, and it seemed like he was ready to go. Lindelof's always ready to go. He's just not good. And Ole decided not to play the duo of Lindelof and Bayi. I'm not actually sure which one. I think did he play Lindelof? I think pretty sure he played Lindelof. Yeah, Lindelof played. Yeah, Lindelof and Maguire. That's usually he usually plays Lindelof ahead of Bayi. Yep. He he allowed Maguire to start. Maguire was terrible. Arguably the worst player on the field. And I mean, we know not arguably he was yeah, awful. Yeah. Like we know he's bad. Like you know, he's not he's not a captain for a big club. He's okay, not, he's not a big player. He's not world class. But let's not take it too far. On his day. He's one of the better center backs in the league. Like, he's certainly, I wouldn't say it's unreasonable to just on his day, he's at least top 10, possibly top 5 center backs in the league. Um, mm-hmm. But today he was terrible because he just wasn't fit. So, why isn't Ole starting um, Lindelof and Bai? Obviously, there's some other questionable choices he's made. Like, why is Rashford on the field? Why is Sancho playing left wing? Like, why is he trying to accommodate Greenwood? Um, it's not really that important. Why, okay, why has um, Fred been playing? Why is it going to be? Playing? We're going to have to, you know, cut you off there, City fan, trying to, you know, bias analysis. Like, I'm talking about his tactical choices. Either way, he fields 11 players, and I'm going to hate all of them. But I'm just saying from okay. a tactical view, he makes a lot of, you know, he, and you can say this as well, like, he does a lot of things that don't make sense tactically. This is one of them. I will that, say like, that, It yes. was a clear thing. He chose to play an unfit Maguire over a fit Eric Bailly. Why doesn't he trust yeah. his own players? I think the news reports were that Maguire been in training for one day. Of course, looked good enough in training where they're thinking, well, maybe better than and by who we know can be reckless at times. But I mean, Maguire for the Leicester goal where De Gea plays it out to him, he's waiting for the ball to reach him. It's not the best pass from De Gea, but it's it's on target. He should be able to get it no problem. Jog over to it, find someone in the midfield, but instead he waits for it to come to him. I think it's Ian Acho who presses him, and then from there, I think Tielemans takes over and scores a stunner. Just uh, really disappointing. I think is it, disappointing and underwhelming are the two words that are that I use to describe United nowadays. Because I mean, after the transfer window, Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo, you're thinking, okay, you wow, gotta be doing better. We've, I mean, surely this it's is a shocking. title challenging season, but again, game after game. I think the most important thing to highlight here besides, you know, the drama throughout was that United, again, for probably the dozenth time this season, I don't think we played a dozen games, but whatever, were outclassed. Yes, we scored two goals, but overall we were outclassed by a lesser team that were out of form. Yes, we was away from home, but still, I mean, we've it, it, the performances have got to be better. We've got to ask ourselves this question. Have United comfortably won a game this season apart from the Newcastle game? Have they? Definitely not. I don't think so. I think the West Ham game, the Mark Noble penalty miss, that whole fiasco. Ronaldo against Villarreal. There are moments, and this is what um, national pundits have been using to describe United in the UK, is it's a team of individuals and a team of moments. There's no real team play. It's, oh, look, wow, what a pass from Bruno. 
Should Matic be starting in this team? Eh, I, Matic, you know, really the only proper defensive midfielder in the team that can play um, next to Pogba and Bruno, who are both, as we know, more attacking players. Hey, like, but, hear me out. Everyone is talking about Van de Beek and about how we should be starting, but when even when we did see him start, he's not very impressive. Okay, yeah, but he didn't play. The competition today. is spread. Like it's not. <laughs> yeah. The only other player uh, I would say should be starting is like McTominay is actually decent. Yeah. I think the issue, think, honestly, you mm-hmm. don't have a lot of options in midfield. So I'm just gonna ask you. You have, uh, you're in your front three. Pick your front three from uh, Pinaldo, Trashford, Flopcho, Greedwood, and uh, Cavani. Those five. Uh, what's your front three? <laughs> Obviously, I don't need a nickname for Cavani. He's finished on his own, but. Okay, well, he had an unbelievable the Matador season. But I think right now I would do... Well, you know, Rashford's cameo gave me hope, so I'm going to say, because Sancho has been struggling thus far, and I think he will find his feet, but right now it's just we can't afford anyone playing at you know half speed. So I'm going to say Rashford on the left, Ronaldo up top, can't drop Ronaldo, and Greenwood on the right, who I think has been... Probably our best attacking He's player this season. Your club this season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fans behind the goal, please beware. Oh, well, not sure what they were, <laughs> Leicester fans were thinking when they saw the ball hit the post and go in, but only ten thousand shots behind them. I would say Bruno. I still I want Pogba in the team, and then it, it comes down again to the defensive midfielder position. We didn't sign anyone. We plugged all the other gaps in the team that you could argue needed to be plugged for the moment. But for me, I, I guess McTominay, I guess. Not really too confident with that. Certainly not Fred. Cannot play that position well. Matic probably plays it the best, but I, I'm always worried about his ability to you know move around the pitch, getting on now 30-something years now? of age. Yeah, I was about to say. How the old? defense is just inconsistent. Wambasaka going on and off. Wambasaka, very, not, very not the same. average not the same. at times. Luke Shaw, something... Defensively, I, I, so I like to think of our defense, you know, kind of in two units. You've got the center back, or not trio, um, center back partnership, and then you've got Shaw and Wamasaka who tend to get further forward. I think our center backs, up until today, it was you know Varane really impressing. I've been really impressed with him. It's such a shame that he got injured in the Nations League final. Um, Maguire had always been all right. But overall, the team selection, I don't even think you could argue is that bad. Of course, the Maguire selection, that definitely raises some eyebrows, but I think it all just circles back to tactically has only taken his team as far as he can, and it's time for the change. Yeah, I think this game, I think he deserves to be sacked. I think, I think this is the game. I think the sack is coming, and I think every no, game I think that we delay is just another game that, you know, Probably wasting because time. For a club as big as United, you know, you see at Chelsea, when Chelsea goes in bad form, like when they had Lampard, he, they were reaching some bad form, you know. Mm-hmm. They sacked him right spot, they got Tuchel, and look what happened. They won a Champions League. Yeah. yeah. You, I think that's. You gotta give that's, them I think that's what United should be doing right now. They're waiting way too long, they're taking the Arsenal round. And God forbid you guys get a freaking like former United player again, like Arsenal did. Yeah. Teta. We went from Emery to Arteta. Why do we think that was a good idea? We had we had Lumberg before that. Remember this? Yeah. We couldn't find a manager. We had to use an assistant manager. It was terrible. Yeah, I think the manager yeah, hunt would be interesting, but 
I think Den Hog is your best option. Ten Hog or maybe Zidane, but this is a conversation for another time when that sacking debate really starts to heat up if another poor result comes in. Now, on to our final Premier League game of discussion. Manchester City versus Burnley. Kieran, I think you're probably the only one who's even seen the highlights from this. Nobody really cares when it's City versus Burnley. It always ends 5-0. Only 2-0 this time. Any thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. So, from a City standpoint, obviously, we're coming off the international break. Uh, in case somebody's not aware, we could not use our Brazilians. Um, that was not our issue. That was the whole Premier League uh, because they had a match yesterday. So, no Ederson. No, no uh, Zach Steffen uh, played Zach in this place, which is like one of the few things I think is actually important. Uh, it's just a heavy USA. True. He's a very good, very good goalkeeper. My USA number one. Um, and it's a heavily rotated side today. Burnley played well. Like, they had chances. Stefan had to make a couple decent saves. I think at the end there, um, like 10 minutes to go, or so, it was already 2 0. I think it was Chris Wood had a really good chance, and he blazed it over. It really should have been 2 1. Overall, I think Burnley probably could have, you know, you could have said they deserved a goal. Um, but in general, the defense, Diaz was benched. He came on at the end because Laporte had a bit of a, a, a tackle. It, was, it wasn't a red card, but he was, he, was, he was close to getting sent off just for, like, a few tackles. So he, they took him off and they brought on Diaz. But he got most of us, which is good. Um, I'm not sure. I think Ake played left back. And I think Walker got rested. And then in midfield, it was the, they played the same midfield. I mean, really, if you look at the city midfield, there is no better midfield trio in the world, and there hasn't been a better midfield trio in the world for, you know, you're looking at, at least four or five years back to, like, the prime, like, Barcelona, okay, et cetera. Mm, this, uh, this Rodri, Bernardo, De Bruyne, like, there's nothing better. De Bruyne and uh, mm. Bernardo scored the gold. You had Fabian Delph a couple years back. He played left back. <laughs> you had Fabian Delph. Anyway, uh, and the front three was, <laughs> was not our top front three. We had Mara starting, which is good. I love seeing him play. I thought he was really good today. Hasn't had the best start to the season. Hasn't got a lot of minutes, but he impressed me. Uh, I know it's only Burnley, but, you know, especially we have Club Bruja coming up on Tuesday, um, which should be an easy game. I'm pretty sure it's away, though, so it could be. Bruja could be a challenge. Yeah, Bruja, they tripped up PSG. They they just slammed um, Leipzig. We're going to have to be on our game. Um, I don't know if Mara should start. I mean, Jesus will be fit. Uh, Grealish will obviously be, be back. He was rested today. Foden and Sterling played. Sterling, um, I don't even need to tell you how bad he was. You know, it's it's just Raheem Sterling. Foden was all right. I uh, I don't know. It's unclear who should be playing up top for City. With Ferran out, we don't have a striker. I honestly, I back Foden in the nine. I think that's our best option at the moment. I'm hoping to see that against Bruges. I want to see how it works out. But I want to see him play as like a real false nine. Or, I, like, I, I don't mind Grealish on the wing. I could see Grealish playing in midfield. Perhaps something I could see is Grealish drops into midfield and Bernardo's spot and Bernardo plays false nine because it's just a little more attacking, a little more central than, than Grealish is. But in general, the 2-0 win, um, not a lot to, you know, just a couple tactical things that, that we're changed. Interesting results. Um, but, you know, we got the win. We expected the win. Um, we got to rest most of our key players. So, uh, success. Any thoughts on the City transfer rumors? I think we've heard stuff about Sterling leaving and then obviously the striker position. There's always oh, yeah. at least one oh, yeah. report during the week. I'm always on the hunt for anything that could lead to, to Sterling <laughs> leaving. So there are some rumors, both player and manager. The player rumors are obviously it looks – it's not set because there's still almost a year left, but it looks very likely that we're going to be getting Holland next summer. Um, mm. the rumors are now they've gra- they've graduated from rumors about the club. Now there's rumors about how like he's already already agreeing to terms, and he's now talking to the, to the sponsors, getting his deals done on like his city shirts and all that. Um, 
but in your dreams. I mean, this is this. Yeah, is what do you mean? Confirmed. Holland's going to Barca. What are you talking about? I'm sure. I'm sure. We're uh, also going to sign Mbappe for 400 mil. Um, True. So the 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 transfer that's emerging now is that Sterling is going to Barca in January. This is backed up by you know obviously he's linked to Arsenal, Tottenham, Newcastle, but the Barca does seem pretty likely for him. If that happens. It is rumored that we will be signing for a fee in the range of 60 to 70 million euros, Dusan Vlahovic, in January. This this would be huge. Um, I think Arsenal should really get him before City's get him. No, no we're on, you know, on Lautaro Martinez. He may not be ready to start for City. He would definitely, obviously, he obviously starts for Arsenal. But Yeah, I would love Lautaro Martinez at our club too. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah, but you're not going to sign Inter is showing interest for Alexander Lacazette, so swap deal is very possible. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Inter yeah, that I desperate. Know. No, Lautaro <laughs> would, would never, ever go to Arsenal. But uh, no, nah, Lautaro's going to improve. You know, he goes from that inter midfield that's not so good anymore to, you know, Odegaard, Saka. We're ESR. talking about a Ballon d'Or nominee and captain. a finished French striker. Yeah, so, so Inter have sure. Barella, who's like one of the most informed young players in the world. They have Chalhanog, who's a pretty decent creator. Alexis is a good creator. They have a lot of players. Like I don't know. I don't know who Arsenal have, but not players. ESR, Saka. I've never no. heard of him. All right. Odegaard. Never heard of him. They would start at City Midfield. Okay. okay. This, this could go on for hours. Yeah, the only on thing I have to mention topic. is... No, no, no. Oh, God forbid. Uh, manager, I cut him off. Manager. Uh, the, the manager <laughs> okay, maybe Odegaard would start. Maybe not Saka or... Uh, okay, all right. Let, let's, let's please, you know... All right, let's hear the manager. Let's, let's, let's be sober when we're on the on the podcast, please. Thank you. All right. Uh, so, wow. Manager debate. Pep Guardiola is he leaving? There were some rumors that he might leave this past year. People thought we get Nagelsmann. Obviously, he went to Bayern. Pep didn't leave, so we're all good. Uh, he is his contract expires twenty twenty three. It looks like he will leave. It does look like he will leave. Obviously, you know. Where's he going to go? Probably going to take a break. I could see, and I could see this very realistically happening. Because of the modified schedule, um, obviously we're going to have back-to-back tournaments. After the 2022 World Cup, which will be in later 2022, there's going to be a little bit of an extended break, um, you know, just regular to the 2024 Euros. I could see um, him going to manage the Spanish national team. I could really see that happening. Because in the summer of 2023, he'll have a full year. Um, and I could see Luis, uh, Luis Enrique... But obviously, he's the current Spain manager. He would leave. Um, I could see him managing Manchester City. I could see like a swap happening. Uh, but the rumors right now are saying, in terms of you know managers that look more realistic in the short term, uh, Brendan Rodgers has been has been touted as one of the possible managers, and I would not approve that. I don't think it's a very good appointment. Uh, I don't think he's the right man for the job. I don't think he's the right man for a club. He just isn't. Uh, he just isn't good as as a manager. He's not good enough to be a city manager. Harsh, harsh. I think it's okay. All right. All right. Well, I think we've devoted enough time to Manchester City propaganda, but there'll be more to come for sure. Of course. On to our next topic and something we wanted to talk about last time out, but we feel that we wouldn't have enough time to really devote enough, the proper amount of time to such an important discussion. The Ballon d'Or. Um, getting a lot of popularity recently because of some inclusions and more notably exclusions, and then of course who's going to win it. But just to run you through the 30 names very fast, we had Barella, Benzema, Benucci, De Bruyne, Chiellini, Ronaldo, Ruben Diaz, Donnarumma, Bruno Fernandes, 
Foden, Holland, Jorginho, Kane, Conte, Kiar, Espelicueta, Lewandowski, Lukaku, Mares, Lautaro Martinez, Mbappe, Messi, Modric, Gerard Moreno, Mason Mount, Neymar, Pedri, Salah, Sterling, and finally, Luis Suarez. Thoughts on the list? Anyone, anything in particular stands out there? Uh, a lot of things. Oh yeah. Uh, let's talk about the people who should not be included in that list first. Okay. I think Jorginho is insanely Ooh. overrated. I'll say it again, and I'll Bold. say it again. He's not rated, though, anymore. Well, no, the thing I mean, is, is... I mean, he had ball and door shots. Literally just people like, were calling for him to win it. No actual... No. like. The only people that think he should have been nominated are Chelsea fans or Italians. You know, Phil yeah. Foden. Phil Foden is a little bit questionable. I there. don't think he is. I think he deserves to be nominated. I, I think he's on the line, and then I think the yeah, other yeah, big he's one not, that like, he's really top ten, Simon like, Kijar. You know, yeah. Simon Kiar. I think they, I, I'm actually happy. It was to see a great him act. Him. Great act, but yeah, you know, it's got to be real here after the the Denmark situation at the Euros. I think it, it's good to see him on there, and I think it just shows that you know, you know those, Luka those deeds don't go unnoticed, of course. Luka Modric, what has he done? Real Madrid was shocking. Croatia took a massive L to Spain. You know, Mountain Luka Modric Pedri really didn't also. do much. Pedri, I think Pedri's probably deserved. He's yeah, looking Pedri's like deserved. he's going to win the Golden Boy. Yeah, I, Mason Mount, I don't think he deserved to be on here. Yeah, definitely. Not very impactful. Yeah, Mason Mount's the one for me that I'm like thinking, you know. I mean, I you guess know, he kind Regime of had an Sterling assist in the well. Champions League final, but... And, yeah, Everything really, had a decent really. Euro's performance. So even his Euro performance is nothing. It's very dodgy to say the least, you know. Also, Conte. Then, yes. Con- Conte needs to be off the list. Con- Conte. No, no. I don't Conte know. wasn't no, a top 100 no. player last year. This past year. Top 100. Top 100. What? He was good. He had, <laughs> really? he had like four really? good games. He had four good games, right? He played well in Conte the Champions would League semifinals. He played well in the, in, the, in the Premier League against Man City, and he played well in the Champions League against Man City. He had zero good Premier League games from January through like March. Did not play well. He was awful. There were, if, I don't know if people remember this, but there were times, and this was like a, a quarter to a third of the season, where he was being pulled against Fred and losing consistently. Right? And this was not when Fred was playing well. This is just like as like the worst CDM in the Big Six. So he, he has no chance. He should never have been nominated for me. Well, we could probably debate just about every name on this list, but I think it's possibly even more important to mention those who were not on it, particularly those players that were on teams that dominated European competitions. Um, first up, I think, yeah, Edward Mendy, especially after today's performance. I mean, no I think we questions. saw, I forgot which keeper, maybe it was Navas, Kaylor Navas talking about, you know, the lack of goalkeepers on the Ballon d'Or list, apart from Donnarumma. Absolutely. But I think we're all in agreement. Edward Mendy should have been like on there. He deserves it. I think Navas could have been nominated. And maybe Ederson, I'm gonna Mendy. go Walter. Even Ederson. I yeah. think Ederson was great. Mm-hmm. At least like and maybe Neuer. Like there could have been at least a few keepers. Oh yeah, Neuer yeah. too, consistent. Definitely a outfield player bias, but I do believe there's the Yashin trophy, which is kind of thought of as the Ballon d'Or for goalies, but of course it's never the same as the Ballon d'Or itself. Talking about the Bundesliga, you know, Muller and Kimmich. Muller and Kimmich deserve I, to be there. No questions. Muller. The only Bayern player on here, if I'm not mistaken, is Lewandowski. The only Bundesliga players are Lewandowski yeah. and Holland, which the, is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And the thing, I just, yeah. Kimmich is easily uh-huh. a top 10 player on this list. Possibly. Yeah. He can be a contender. No he, he's a contender to win it. Much more yeah. contender than most of these people. Muller, yeah. you know, he's probably like top 15, top 20, but he's still a good year. He's, he's very underrated. Muller's had a couple of the really good years. He's always been good. He's very consistent. He has that ability. 
to seek out space and get it. And he's just been the perfect role for why Byron has had so much success over the years. Yeah, he's been a major focal point in that team. On to the Italian boys, not on the list, of course. We did have a couple, Donnarumma, Bonucci, Chiellini, but notable names that were missing. Chiesa had a great Euros. Verratti had a great Euros and has always been good for PSG. And then Insigne, another good player in Serie A. Great Euros. They deserved it. I Mm. think they deserved it. I don't know. I feel like... I don't think... I'm good with none of them being on it. Okay. Chiesa Mm. and Verratti could have... They, I could see them on it. I would have been fine if they were on it. I don't think they're top 20, though. I think they'd be like towards the bottom of it if they were. Yeah. And Sinead, you know, I feel like Chiesa's, Chiesa's the big one, though, because yeah, he's, Chiesa he's the good. real the real I'm good kind player. He's kind of the shining light right now. Yeah. No documentation of that. Uh, yeah, I think Arsenal should go in and try to scoop in Chiesa, swap the old Pepe for Chiesa, you know. Pepe for Chiesa. Maybe when Juve's on fire, they'll accept that. But onto the most important question in the Ballon d'Or debate: Who should win it? Kieran, let's start with you. Oh my god! You want my unbiased or my biased opinion? I would like your unbiased opinion first. I'm gonna give both. Okay, let's hear bias first to get it out of the way. Biased opinion, honestly, honest to God, if you want to okay, talk that. about performances, like. Not in terms of number of performances, because I know that can be a big issue with like injuries and whatever. I, I, De Bruyne doesn't deserve to win it, but he should be top three behind Lewandowski and Messi. Jeez. You can't argue otherwise, really. Like you can say people uh, deserve it better than him, but you can't say he doesn't at least deserve to be considered, right? He was like injured yeah. for half the season. Yeah, yeah. he's in on half. He's injured for but he, he was only injured for, like, a few games. Those just happened to be, like, the biggest games. And so, obviously, like, what's he going to do? Like, he can't time when he gets injured, right? Um, and it's just, you know, unbiased opinion. It's, it's honestly, I'm really excited. It could be so huge. I think there are a lot of players here who deserve it. Like, uh, not necessarily deserve it, like, but could be considered, like, Benzema, De Bruyne, uh, Ronaldo, uh, maybe Ruben Diaz. Probably not. That's, that's biased. I know he probably doesn't deserve it. Um, yeah. Uh, who else? Lewandowski. Uh, Messi. I think it's about it. That's like five, six names that you could think about to win this award. So mm-hmm. I think for me, the top five is Messi, Lewandowski, De Bruyne, Benzema, Ronaldo. That's my top five. Is that in order? Yes. Oh, that, that was in order. That was in order. Was that first to last or last to first? I you you really think I'm gonna put Messi fifth and Lewandowski fourth? Well, are you saying that Messi should win the Ballon d'Or? Yes, I am. Oh, mm. very bold. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. I think you know the Copa America definitely helps. But I think it is like I think we're really seeing the importance of Messi now without him at Barca. The yeah. state of that club exactly I think it really highlights just how far he took them. So I, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Um, Joseph, what's your ears? Who do you think should win the Ballon d'Or? All right. This is very interesting. There's a lot of good options here. I'd say, you know, the five contenders, it has to be Lewandowski, Messi. I think Mohamed Salah deserves a shout Mm -hmm. in there. 
This is going to be real bold right here. I'm going to say Erling Bring Holland. Ooh. To win it? And no trophies. No trophies, but consistent. Yeah, Ooh, he is, is, man. And, you know, just because he's always on there, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So I think in order, I think it's really tied for number one between Lewandowski and Messi. Because, you know, Messi legit carried Barca, got the Copa America. But Lewandowski has just been so consistent, this close to getting tro- gets trophies in Bundesliga. He probably deserves the Champions League for being real. And it got canceled for him 2020. Yeah. Undoubtedly deserved it in 2020, but, you know, there's no ball at door. But I'm going to say Lewandowski won, Messi second. Going to go bold here. And I'm saying Erling Holland third. Wow. Mm. Mm. And then, I, no, actually, no. Hamasella third, Holland Ooh. fourth, and Ooh. Ronaldo fifth. Ooh, where do you put your Benzema's and your De Bruyne's and all that? Oh, yeah. Benzema, I, I think Benzema is also up there, too. But I don't think De Bruyne... I think De Bruyne's top 10. He's not top 5. Either. Oh, I'm willing to accept that. I know some, some judges... You know, I think Benzema, Benzema gets 6 because Real Madrid did disappear. Okay. Fair enough. Owen, Owen, Owen so who do you think if we're should doing win top 5? Obviously, I'm going to go top 5, mm-hmm. and I will explain why later. Okay. I will go Robert Lewandowski, As Lionel Messi. First or fifth? This is first to fifth. Okay. So Lewa, number one. Lionel Messi, number two. Benzema, number three. Barella, Bolt. number four. Bolt. And Cristiano Ronaldo, number five. Wow. That is really bold. This is what I mean when I say people don't watch leagues other than the Prem except at the Euros, and then they base their entire opinions <laughs> of players of other leagues off no, of no, 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 no. There's a reason that Inter won the Serie A. Yeah, because I flick on the TV. Yeah, because of Lukaku and freaking Akimi. All right. If you're going to not listen, then I won't. I, I want to hear it. Fine, because I'm fine, going fine, to fine. Fine. We do want to hear the reasoning, and I think the <laughs> listeners would too. Lewandowski. Right, mm-hmm. your easy choice. He broke Gerd Muller's scoring record. There's really Good tidbit there. There's you really don't. I think he's going to win it. I think he will be the one to win it. Mm-hmm. Lionel Messi. I think his true character really showed. Like there was obviously doubts when he was still at Barca because they started like doing doing like pretty bad. But then he left. They started doing putrid so that's that's clear benzema again i appreciate his ball in goal uh just the ability to convert in any sort of situation yeah i think his his euros goal on the spin 180 degree turn for the shot into the bottom corner through a defender's Uh, leg highlighted his ability that's really hard like that score is very hard to come by obviously so he's definitely up there Nicolo Barella. I don't think I've ever been more impressed with a midfielder. Wow. When I've turned Bold. on my TV. So what he can do by number one, he can get back, defend, and to have that capability to run in and score just is insanely impressive. He is, I believe, along with him, Lukaku and Hakimi, those three well, obviously, you have that whole team is very good, but he is definitely one of their main benefactors, and he he's got two trophies to show it. He's a very good player, and I do believe he's on that short list. Cristiano Ronaldo, 
obviously very important player for everywhere he goes. So that's obviously another no brainer. But those would be my five. Fair enough. Um, my five, I think, unsurprisingly, is going to be Lewandowski first. Oh, cannot look past the goals. I was just looking at it here. I think he had 48 last season. I mean, that's just stupidly good. Nuts. That's why um, I thought Paul Mueller already said Messi over knows is Lewandowski. No, I yeah. said yeah. yeah. I can respect that. Um, second place, though, I do have Lionel Messi. And for the reason that I talked about before, just... The goals, the assist, he's been doing it for years. Finally got his international trophy, um, even though he didn't really have the best tournament himself. But the rest of the squad finally, for the first time for Argentina, really stepped up. Um, in third place, I am going to go Karim Benzema. I think he's been Real Madrid's shining light, um, taking him through this transition period. You know, no more Ronaldo. Bale, um, I think he's still at the club, but really only in name. It doesn't really do anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, who I got, so I have oh, right, fourth place, Cristiano Ronaldo. Obvious reasons. Golasso's um, clinical goal scorer, 36 years old, United legend returning. Um, really Juve's key player, and I don't think they truly appreciated him until he was gone. Um, which is highlighted by their really poor start in Serie A. And then in fifth place, um, this is a very bold one, but I did want to kind of change things up a bit. Um, mm, I'm not so sure. I was going to say Chiellini, just because I wanted to get an Italian oh. player in there. Oh, well, he, he like, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Captain I know, so I, I know what Kieran's going to say. Oh, blah, 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 blah. He didn't watch Serie A. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have been nominated. It shouldn't be on the list. But I just, I think it's, a, it's really important. How many Juventus games have you watched this year? Hmm? Not including Champions League. How many Juventus Serie A games have you watched start to finish with Polini in the Yeah, no, he, Probably he, four. He All right, get him out. Get him out I mean, yeah. he, he performs on the big stages, but for the game by game, I mean. If we're, if, if I was, if, you know, if I was really choosing, you know, my accurate five, I would probably put Salah fifth just because his importance to Liverpool. I like um, the Salah, you know, enthusiasm. Very interesting. I, I, was, I don't like no Holland here. I, I, I like, can't, I can't, I cannot go with Holland. I just can't. Like, um, Holland is just so give him, give him, he's still young. He can still win. Holland yeah, will win a Ballon d'Or. If he, yeah, when he goes to City next year, it's, it's, it's okay. over. He's okay, okay. guaranteed to win a Ballon d'Or. He's... <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, we've somehow snuck more city propaganda in there. But on to our third and final topic, um, kind of the other section, other things that we want to talk about. First up, we're going to do our everyone's favorite game, Start Bench Sill. Owen, um, your first time playing. We're going to name three players. You're going to say which one you would start, which one you would bench, and then which one you would sell. First up, and we will start with you, Owen. Um, U.S. Men's National Team, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, and Brendan Aronson. Start bench cell. So I'm going to explain my thought process and analyze each player. This might be a drawn-out process, but I do think that each of these players definitely have their own values. Mm -hmm. Pulisic, again, very quick. He's good, or not again, but a good dribbler, good, like, he's... Great. He's definitely one of the best players. I'll say one for right now, but I mean, he's, I will say that he's starting or benching. 
because I don't he's too he's too important to this US men's team for the future down the road to mm-hmm. let go of him. Reyna, Reyna's your classic baller. He's got skills on skills. He likes to talk. He's he's that he's the passionate the passionate kid on the wing who just fights for his team. Speaking of fighting for the team, Aronson. I have never seen someone run more than Brendan Aronson yeah. in my life. Yep. He is like a flea on the back of every CONCACAF team ever. Yeah. And for that reason, I will go start Pulisic, bench Aronson, because he has that value just to press and press and press and sell Gio Reyna. Mm, wow. Dortmund, what is he now? The number seven Gio Reyna? Yeah, selling no, he's, a, he's a great player at the club level, but mm-hmm. if we're talking national level, yeah, I feel like Aronson would fit better into the team because I don't think uh, that the American squad can appreciate ballers. Like, I'll give one example: Conrad De La Fuente <laughs> in the, uh, I believe it was the Gold Cup or yeah, it was Gold Cup where he made the squad. Yeah. He showed that he was very quick on his feet, a baller. Obviously, I think he plays for Barca, yep. right? I think he's on loan at Marseille right now. Oh, well, still very like good baller and then big old big Greg Berhalter <laughs> omitted him from the list. So, it just kind of shows the underappreciation of ballers. So, I think Reyna would not fit at the national level. Well, he does fit, but not more than I think that players like he'll Pulisic make the squad but maybe not have as much as an impact as what you're trying to say. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. That's fair. Um, I'll go next because um, I want to. Advantages of being the host. True. Um, I am going to start, and this is at the national level, what I've seen from these three players. I am starting Brendan Aronson. I have been oh. hugely impressed with his, as Owen mentioned, work rate off the ball. I think he's the most moldable in a sense that no matter what system Greg, Bolt- Greg Berhalter decides to play, I think there's a spot for Aronson in the team where I think Pulisic and Reyna could get into the team, but their performances could become diminished if we play um, other styles tactically. That is very bold considering that, well, Aronson is at a Swiss, is he at Salzburg Young Boys? In Austria. Salzburg, yep. that's right, that's Red right. Uh, P-Fox, the one at Young Boys. Yeah, Young Boys. But, so they've all got European, t- I'm sorry, never mind, continue. Okay, that was fine. Um, on my bench, and this is where... Eh, maybe this isn't as bold, but I am going to bench Pulisic. Um, he's been, you know, after the loss to Trinidad, um, missing out on the World Cup. Since then, he's been, up until the past couple games where we've seen the likes of Aronson come into the squad, he was really the guy keeping the national team alive when it was, you know, really down in the depths in the trenches, really looking poor and there wasn't a lot of excitement. Pulisic was still the guy that people would turn on the TV to see. And I think his European pedigree, of course, a Champions League winner, um, can't be understated in the squad. And because of that, I think he'll probably have a place in the team. If we qualify for the World Cup, I think he'll be a, basically a guaranteed starter alongside Aronson. And then, and then, just like just Owen, like I am selling Gio Reyna. I just, I have not seen enough. You know, when I did see him play, he had a couple games for the U.S. Men's National Team. Not a lot, because I think he's injured right now. He just wasn't 
that impressive, not really nearly as good as he's been for Dortmund. At Dortmund, he's he's been good. I don't think he's been world-class. I think we need to tone that down a bit. But yeah, if I had to pick three or pick two out of the three to have in my squad, it would be Pulisic and Aronson. Joseph, who do you got? I think I'm going to go Owens list here, starting Pulisic, you know, mm-hmm. just because, you know, he's basically essentially the big man of this team. He's, I don't know if he's captain or not. I believe he, he is. He, I think he might have been, yeah. yeah. He is At the 23, captain. he's the captain. You know, he scored that clutch goal against Mexico twice, by the way, twice. You know, I think he's just, the, he's the main guy to see, and we absolutely need him. Aronson, you know, he's been great. What Owen basically said at Reyna, you know, I haven't seen enough of him, not only at Dortmund, I think he's insanely overrated at Dortmund, but also the U.S. team. Yeah. I just don't think he's that good. All right, Kieran, tie us up here with the U.S. national team debate. This is this one's tough for me. All right, so are we Start assuming, for the, the way I'm going to do this, unless it's like wrong, I was going to do this as if I have the World Cup next month. I yep. have to submit my squad tonight, and everyone's fully yep. fit. Yep. So based on who yep. I think will do the best, if I just put them in the game tomorrow. We're getting on the plane to Qatar tomorrow. Who are you picking? Okay, all right. I mean, um, obviously not including geographical context. I think I'm going to... This, this is this is really tough. I'm not going to lie. These, these three are very close for me. Yeah. I, has anyone... Have you all sold Reyna? Owen did, yes. right? Yes. All we all did. have sold Reyna. Uh, see, I don't think I can do that. I, I don't think I can Ooh. sell Reyna. I'm considering Ooh. starting. Wow. He has shown you have to start incredible Pulisic. form. Pulisic, I'm not entirely convinced on. Obviously, he plays harder he plays in a team that's harder to break into. But the people are competing with, Mount is not on good form, right? I don't know if he's injured right now because he doesn't play, so we wouldn't be able to tell. But, like, Mount's <laughs> not on good form. Havertz plays on the right. Werner doesn't really play on the left either. Like, he, he should be starting on that team. And he hasn't really played well. A player like Gio Reyna would get more minutes in the Chelsea team than than, uh, than Pulisic's getting right now, and that's a fact. Like, mm, really, I think mm, he would, wow. I think he would adapt better. Mm, and if you look at the partnership that Reyna has struck up with Erling Holland, like, there's a reason why he's he's considered a, like a future Man City target. It's you know, yeah. it's one of the things. If we get Holland, they're thinking maybe like you know, we get Holland 2022, 2023, we go back and get Reyna. Right? Aronson <laughs> is such a, it's such a tough thing. Like, how do you want to consider it? Right. On club level, he's doing great, but he also plays for Salzburg. Like you can't really, you know, can't really compare. On an international level, he's he's doing well too. He's been one of the catalysts of our team, but I don't think our teams are doing that well. So I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna start Reyna. I think I'm I've convinced myself to start Reyna. Uh so even with his lack of, you know, maybe necessarily great performances for the US team. Yes. Yes, I'm okay. still going to start him. Okay. Um and I think I'm going to bench Aronson. I think I'm going to sell Pulisic. I think if I had to drop one from the World Cup roster wow. right now, I would drop Pulisic. It sounds yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but I mean Champions League winner, barely. Yeah, oh, well, you would say that. For those who do, yeah. maybe don't remember, uh, of course, Chelsea beat Manchester City in the Champions League final. I think Aaron I think Reyna is, is going to have a bigger career than Pulisic. Right, that's a fact. It's you know. Aronson, I don't know. Whoa, 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 that whoa. Out. But I, I Reyna, Aronson, Pulisic. Reyna. That's my final order. Okay. Um, our next and final start bench sell, and this is... I really don't know where this is going to go. We could each have different arrangements here. Holland, Benzema, Lewandowski. You've got a team set up. You need to pick a striker today. Who are you picking? Let's go... 
opposite order, order. Kieran. Kieran. Oh, Who you got? No, you got All right. We're doing opposite order. <laughs> Nah, do the same order. Right, I, I gotta think about this. Right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm Joseph, ready. you're ready. Let's hear it. All right. This is gonna be a pretty bold take. Um, I think once again, people are still sleeping on Holland because considering the fact that look who look at the people who are around Holland, it's mm. really not that good compared to what Lewandowski's playing, compared to what Benson was playing in. Yep, that's a fact. Holland has it a lot, a lot harder. And look at the numbers that Holland is producing at this young age right now. He's yeah. producing absolutely great numbers. Consistent. 49 goals in 49 Bundesliga games. That's he's consistent, nuts. you know. So I'm going to go Lewandowski first. You know, he's clinical and he can also do it on the big stage. That's the one thing I'd say that Holland really lacks. But once again, he's never been able to make it to the big stage, really, you know, since based with Dortmund. But to be fair, when he was in the big stage against PSG, he showed up. Yeah. So I'm saying Lewandowski, Holland, and Benzema gets bent. He's he, he sold. Holland Benzema is bent. sold. Benzema is getting sold. Even with all those goals and assists. Wow. I would say Benzema is getting sold because look at the midfield that Benzema plays with. Mm-hmm. And look at the teams that Benzema plays with. You know, once there is someone who's better than Benzema, you know, you don't really see him as like when Ronaldo was at Madrid. Yeah. He's really not good. And this hypothetical team, we're assuming it's like Oh, I think that might be because Ronaldo kind of acted as a sponge, sucked up most of the goals, but Benzema was a fantastic player in that support role. I just, like, I think Holland and Lewandowski are just still more clinical, and you don't you, you don't see this from Benzema every day. Mm-hmm. I've seen Holland and Lewandowski do it every day. That's okay. why I'm saying Lewandowski starts Holland bench and Benzema. Sold. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, next up. Owen, are you ready? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yes, I am. So, for the price tags, are we including how much value Holland is worth right now? This isn't because necessarily about price tags. This is just, you know, I've got the three of them standing in front of you. And you've got one ticket on the plane left. Who are you giving it to to start okay. up top? Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, if I'm taking everyone's on form, everyone's healed... Mm-hmm. Benzema, obviously, his form. He shoot two goals and assists, I, around two. I don't want to say exactly two and get it wrong, but somewhere around two goals and assists per game. You can't like you can't say no to that, right? It's just an incredible fact that you just have to give him the start to produce that much. It's otherworldly. I mean, stats like that—they don't lie. Yeah. Lewandowski and Holland. I feel like these two are very similar, but I'm going to go with Joseph's point that Holland has produced more from mm. nothing. I will say that with confidence because um Lewandowski is obviously a world-class striker and I do think he's winning the Ballon d'Or, but I think Holland has that extra energy and extra power that maybe Lewandowski has lost. Maybe in our scenario here, you know, this is a Champions League final. Holland, we could imagine in his head right now, is desperate for his first major trophy. Um, Yes, he's hunting. Yeah. Okay, um, I'll go and then we'll wrap up with Kieran and then we'll move on to our final discussion points. I'll make mine quick. I am starting up top 
and I think maybe this won't come as a surprise based on my um, Ballon d'Or analysis. Robert Lewandowski up top, goals, 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 goals. Can finish from any angle, um, even when the delivery isn't at, isn't at its best. You give him half a chance and he'll finish. And I feel like all all these strikers can do that, but I think, in my opinion, he does it the best. As we've seen, the amount of goals he's scored in the past couple seasons. Um, soul or not soul benched, and this is where Joseph and Owen are going to disagree. I am benching Benzema. Um, I think goals are obviously important, but the assists, Benzema's creative link-up play, you know, with a guy like Vinicius Jr. Um, for Real Madrid and then Mbappe for France, I think. He's shown that he can adapt really well. And of course, if we go even further back with Ronaldo, he can fill whatever role is necessary in the striker position to bring the best out of other players. And that's something that I don't think I can overlook, which means that unfortunately, Erling Hall in Norwegian is going to be sold for me. Not really to any fault of his own. Um, I think if you probably asked us this in one year from now, I think the list could look a lot different. I think Holland could end up being the starter. Um, if he continues on this upward trend, I think upward trend is probably even putting it lightly, you know, fiery trend. Exponential. Um, exponential, yeah. That's the good word. He's unbelievable player, but for me right now, it would be Lewandowski, Benzema, Holland. Kieran, you've had your time to think. Who do you got? Oh, so if correct me if I'm wrong, I've been thinking about what you guys have been saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe each of you, there's been three predictions. Each of you has said for each position, each person. So we have Holland. Uh, Joseph said Holland first. Owen said no, Lewandowski first. And Jonathan said uh, Benzema first. I said Benzema first. Okay, yeah, well, I'm kidding. But the point is, I'm pretty sure there's been like each, each player hasn't said for like first and last at least once. Right now. Right now. I agree with some of the points that have been made. And there, there's points to be made for you know, all three players, right? You have, obviously, Benzema is the very complete striker. And I think without a doubt, these are the three best strikers in the world right now. The only yeah. other one who's close is Ronaldo. And I think he, you know, narrowly misses out. Benzema is the most complete. Holland is the most lethal finisher, for sure. And Lewandowski's lethal as well. But the difference between Holland and Lewandowski is that Lewandowski plays in a better team. And it doesn't necessarily mean he's not as good of a finisher. But Lewandowski's more proven. Obviously, he's got a Champions League. He's got, like, a ton of Bundesliga. He's been doing this for many more years than Holland has. But Holland converts chances at a much higher rate than Lewandowski. And it's been long enough, you know, it's been close to two years since he came to the Bundesliga. And it's not, like, it's not luck. He's just, he is a better statistical finisher. But his career and his, you know... His standard of play is still nowhere near where Lewandowski's is career-wise. Yeah. With that said, of these three, and it's ironic because of the three, this is the person who I think has been the best. Like you talk about, like the Ballon d'Or, um, how like yeah, Holland will probably be top ten. Benzema should be at top five, if not at least you know could be top three. You, there's one from the third. Lewandowski's the only one of the three who's being considered a contender. He's probably going to be first or second. I think second. But in terms of raw finishing ability, he's not – he is a bit overhyped in my opinion. I still think he deserves to be second in Ballon d'Or. But for me, right now, you know, 
flight leaves tomorrow. He's the one that's getting left off the plane. I don't see Lewandowski. I, I'm, I'm selling him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's pretty bold. It is. It is. Then who are you benching and who are you starting? Uh, that's that's harder, honestly. That's this is the easy wrong. part. So you got Holland and you got Benzema. And the problem is Benzema is just different from the other two. Holland is just such a good finisher. And especially as a City fan, he's like exactly what the club needs. And it's hard to look past that. Like it's hard to be unbiased when I know that if City had Benzema, they'd be better. Like they'd be good. If City had Holland, they'd be unstoppable, right? It's just so much yeah. like the style of play I look for in the number nine is, is pretty um it's it's different from what like the actual just skill of a number nine is. I think in terms of raw ability, right now, if I had to pick a striker, I'm going to have to start Benzema and bench Holland. I just so think the completeness list. of Benzema is is just is just not you know I don't think You're any going, raw number nine can get better. Benzema, Holland, Lewandowski, sold. Bold. Yep. Very yeah. bold. I'm glad we agree on something, Karen. Yeah, I honestly, I you know, I think you're already my favorite guest star of the show. So, well, <laughs> I appreciate that. I know I, you're you're a better pundit than Joseph, though, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes Star Bench. Still, I think we all like doing that. It's a lot of fun to kind of go through and back up against the wall. Who would we would pick? Um, just to conclude, we're going to talk about um, really the next major topic is the Newcastle takeover. But right before that, any thoughts on Neymar's quote saying that this 2022 Qatar World Cup will be his final one? I feel uh, like it's normal for his age. I mean, what I wanted to focus on the quote was the mental strain part. That was the thing yeah. that shocked me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we we can. like, Don't get me wrong. Let's talk about all the other stuff, but that was the main part that shocked me, yeah. personally. Yeah, people forget, this yeah. is the same guy that got injured in a quarterfinal in his home country, where his where he was the star player in his country that they thought they could win in front of their home fans, and then he had to watch his team lose 7-1 uh, in front of all their fans oh, yeah. in the semifinal, and then he couldn't do anything yeah. because he was injured. That's so. a very, very good point. Something I didn't really yeah. think about going back to that, of Maybe course, that back fair, injury. We can also bring up the point, you know, where he misses games for PSG, just to go to his sister's birthday. Yeah, I think we Neymar. This is this is the Neymar debate. You know, where do you where do you place him? You know, he has so much you. potential too. I think he's just he's such potential. a good player. Honestly, he could have been one of the best of all time. But yeah, it's like it's like Ronaldinho. It's like Ronaldo. You know, yeah, injuries, mentality. Yeah, questions about his mentality and his effort level for PSG, but certainly for Brazil. I mean, he's always given his all to the national team. Yeah, so. I think there've yeah. been calls that you know. The goals and assists he's getting for Brazil, we're talking probably maybe top three international yeah, players. He could, he could definitely certainly he could go down as one of the best internationals. If he wins the World Cup, and I think this is, even if he had, like if he said I would. Yeah, this has play. to be his year. Yeah. This has to be his yeah, year. Even if I think Brazil have a solid team. Six, Brazil aren't good enough. Like this is their peak. This is their last chance to win the World Cup in this generation. So, yeah. you know, he could go down as yeah. arguably the greatest international player of all time if he wins this. But we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Copa. That's a good point. Yeah, you get a little comp. Okay, we're yeah, going to talk about is, our two more minor topics, and then we're going to conclude with Newcastle. Um, just want to mention Holland one more time. Uh, a brace against Mainz today, 3-1 win. Marco Royce also getting on the score sheet. 49 goals in 49 Bundesliga games. We are talking about probably He's the nuts. main striker of this upcoming generation. Nobody's <laughs> going to match those numbers. He's absolutely nuts. 
one goal per game. That is, I, that's surreal. Yeah, it's, and that's not even getting into his Champions League exploits, where we know he just scores goals through stage, knockout rounds for fun, even if Dortmund can't find the win. Yeah. He is the most mentally strong forward I've seen because. Like you said, even when they lose games, because obviously Dortmund, player for player, can't match up against the top Champions League teams, mm-hmm. he still has that ability to score a goal, which in my mind is not something that's very common. Yeah, and I think that's one of the main reasons why people, when they think about you know Holland potentially going as much as it hurts me to say it to City, um, there isn't really yeah. much of a debate as you know how long would it take him to really settle in just because... He's proven that against the top teams, he has no problem finding the back of the net. Uh, and he which never, I don't think there's anyone else like that. He never loses focus either, which is really important. Like a lot of strikers, you go up against, you know, your Ruben Diaz, your Virgil Van Dyke, right? That type of defender. Um, you know, you you, you, you lose Van Dyke for a second and already pass you. Gone so if you want to score goals at the highest level, you got to have the right mentality, and he's definitely got that. Like he's already mentally, he's ready to be. You know, as good if not better as Lewandowski, Benzema, Ronaldo, all those strikers. Ooh, wow, that's bold. better than Ronaldo. We shall see. I, it's it. Uh, you know, could happen. Okay. Um. One last little thing, and then we're going to conclude with Newcastle. Just something that I think was pretty funny. Inter Milan played Lazio today at Lazio. Lazio were the home team. Joaquin Correa, who was a former Lazio player, now an Inter. Uh, of course, on the losing side, Lazio winning 3-1. At full-time, current Lazio player Luis Felipe jumped onto Correa's back um, in a style that you would see you know, if they were celebrating a goal together in response to this you know, pretty outrageous action, you know, jumping on the back of another a player on another team after beating them, especially when they're a former teammate of yours. Um, Luis Felipe was given a red card even after the full-time whistle, and for those who never heard of that, yes, the referee can give you a red card. I don't know no. exactly when, but I think a certain amount of time before and after the full-time whistle, you can get um, handed a red card. Yeah, and I, I don't know if anyone... I actually went and watched the highlights of this match, and just a couple things, uh, when I saw what happened. And it's interesting, like... One thing that, uh, you know, if you, I'm assuming most of yours haven't seen the match, I wouldn't have watched it. Right before that happened, there was there were two Lakers. It was 1-1 with less than 10 minutes left, and then and Matthew scored, like, once, and they scored again in stoppage time. The second goal, yeah. the winning goal, Inter are, like, on a counter. And I think, it, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was an Inter player, goes down with an injury. And Inter keep playing. They're on the attack. They lose the ball. Lazio quickly go across the field. Inter are now telling Lazio, they're dealing with Lazio players, kick the ball, kick the ball out. And then I think like Felipe Anderson, uh, they want him to kick it out, and then he goes, he turns, and he just plays a long ball through to Immobile, and then they score. And then yeah. the inter officers are pissed, and I think Denzel Dumfries actually goes for it, and he tries to like push down uh, Immobile, and then somebody, I think it was Milinkovic Savage, goes and like tackles uh, Dumfries. It was a whole situation. Yeah. And then when when Lazio scored the third goal, there was the, the same thing. The inter players were just pissed, and the whole time, you know, the commentators, everyone was saying like. They can't be angry about this, right? And I think that's part of the reason why, like, yeah, it's unsportsmanlike and all. But the Lazio players, like, the, the inner players were the ones who are who are creating this conflict. They, they were unnecessarily. Like, they had no right to be acting up against the, the Lazio players. The Lazio didn't do anything wrong. 
they they played they played the ball because the guy was already injured and Inter decided to play. Lazio have no responsibility to wait, and, like you know, let Inter attack and then kick the ball out. And I think that's one of the reasons why Inter were very angry and Lazio um, and Lazio were just. Uh, you know, they were they were angry and they wanted to sort of, you know, rub it in their faces like, you know, we beat you. Uh, and they beat them fair and square. So. Yeah. Overall, just, just a funny thing that we should mention. Kind of crazy. Um, one in a million. Never really going to see that happen again. Um, to conclude our second episode of the CornerKick.com podcast, make sure to follow our Instagram and follow us on Spotify. That way you are alerted to every new episode. Should be releasing on Saturdays. Um, and if not on Saturday, on Sunday. Um, we're going to talk about Newcastle United. Team that really up until two weeks ago looked like they were going absolutely nowhere under Mike Ashley's ownership. And now, after being bought by, I think it's the, like Saudi Arabian like public fund, something like that. Anyone know for sure? I do not. All I know is they have a lot of money. Yeah, they, they have a lot of money. Um, basically, Newcastle are going to become, probably not now, but in five, ten years, they're going to become a proper, well, theoretically, if they spend their money correctly, because they have unlimited amounts. The next city. Uh, yeah, they, this is, I mean, really a lot of similarities to what happened in Manchester City, um, except... The thing that kind of, I think, separates them from City, these takeovers, is they've got a big stadium. They've got a huge following, a huge Premier League club. I think a lot of people forget that purely because of how poor they've been. Um, But this is a massive, historic club that is now getting a huge injection of cash to really bring the squad back up to standards to challenge for Champions League places and a Premier League title. Um... As such, As with such, all the money all being money flown around, around, transfer rumors have been abundant. Basically, every player in the world that has had a hint of wanting to leave their club has been linked to Newcastle. I just wanted to get all your thoughts on, you know, what type of player do we think they're going to be signing, you know, maybe in January and especially this summer? Because How about all of them? <laughs> well, I think FFP, Financial Fair Play... Is going to kick in finally. I don't think I've ever seen financial fair play actually do anything, but they're not going to be able to go and you know throw five hundred million euros at Mbappe and get him to show up. So I just wanted to think and get your opinions on you know what kind of player do we think Newcastle can sign um, immediately? Well, I say Newcastle should definitely get proven players. Mm-hmm. And try not to go down to Rabinho route. I don't know if you guys are familiar oh, with yeah, that. Yeah, Rabinho. That was you kind know, of Man City's City first marquee star, signing. Star, star player, you know. But he's like never actually proven, mm-hmm. you know. So you should, I think what they should try to do is that they should get proven players or try to develop players in Newcastle not to have all this money. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that um, they should go for – I think I really like Coutinho. I still think Coutinho is a great player. Coutinho, interesting. Ooh. That would fall into like the, the Delhi Alley VDP category. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say he's a proven player. You know, I think Frank Kessie would player, be. I think, is what I think trying to say. Frank Kessie would be great in the. Kessie. Mm. I don't uh, know. I mean, he's at Milan right now. That would be a pretty lofty step down, even with all the money. Yeah, and and also I think um, 
I would love to see Aaron Ramsey make a return to the practice. <laughs> he's wasting his career at Juve. And that's just my three right there. That's the well, I agree that he's wasting his career at Juve. And maybe Kaylor Navas. Yeah, and Kaylor Navas. Kaylor Navas. So I'll give Kaylor. my you know handful. Kaylor Navas, I think, makes perfect sense. Um, Big-name player, going to draw a lot of attention if there isn't enough attention already. Very good player, I think, you know. Getting displaced by Donnarumma, extremely unfortunate, but obviously the deal was there for PSG. Navas deserves to be starting every game for whatever club he plays for, so I think a move to Newcastle as kind of the catalyst for change at the club would be really interesting. Besides that, I think the likely signing, and this is another one that I'm really kind of disappointed to mention, I see them getting Lingard. Mm-hmm. I think United, we're going to be willing to sell because of the Sancho deal, because we're always looking to sign new attackers. I think Lingard wants to play. It's, he's good enough to play every game in the Premier League, I think. The beginning of this season has shown that, but he's not going to at United. And I see them, you know, the reason why West Ham didn't get him was they just didn't have enough money, and that's not going to be an issue for Newcastle. So I do see Newcastle meeting whatever evaluation United have, 40 million euros, 45 million euros. I assume it's going to be steep because United hopefully are going to ask for enough. Um, squeeze as much money out of Newcastle as possible. And then besides that, I see... I do see them going for Coutinho. I just don't know if the wages um, shouldn't be a problem with all this money. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical on a guy like Coutinho just because had a really underwhelming time at Barcelona and coming back to the Premier League, it's gotten even more competitive than when he left it. I'm just not so sure. And the other one that I've seen linked and I, I, I really do potentially see it happening is fellow Premier League player, James Tarkowski at Burnley. Good player. Burnley would be willing to sell for the right place as most uh, lower level Premier League teams are. If you can get one of their star players, I just see that as one of the, I can even see that being done in January if Burnley need to kind of reshuffle their squad to try and make a push to stay up because I think they're going to really struggle this season. Um, and I could see Tar- Tarkowski leaving in the region of 20, 25 million euros. Uh, Kieran, thoughts on your Newcastle can sign? Um, I, I don't like talking about signings. Like, I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, like a Deli Vandebeek signing. I know you, you talk mm-hmm. about Kaylor Navas. That's that could be happening. Um, Martial also realistic. All these signings are realistic. I just think in general, I'm more focused on the idea of like it's sort of interesting. As like you know, as a City fan, right? Yeah, I, I you have a lot of parallels that, to this. That's had an oil takeover. But if you look at like <laughs> Chelsea and City, are not. I mean. I'm not. They're historic clubs, but they're not like major historic clubs, and it's weird because they do have more history than, than like you know Newcastle, but they don't have the longevity. Uh, if that makes sense, like City actually are in terms of history are easily top five in the country, like pre takeover, but longevity of being in the championship, yes. Yeah, I mean like longevity in terms of we've won a European trophy and most other clubs haven't. But in terms of history, history doesn't really matter. It's more about like where your club was in like the 80s and 90s. And yeah, we were in the championship. So Newcastle during that time were challenging for a Premier League title. 
And it sort of looked, it seems to be looked on differently, even though this is obviously much more of an issue, both from a financial perspective and just from like a, you know, political perspective than the city or Chelsea takeovers were. And it's just kind of interesting to see how like, you know, how opinions split over that. Because Newcastle, also interesting to note, now that we have sort of an established big six and Newcastle are like a smaller side, like Chelsea and City were also considered, you know, top half, like sort of, you know, like a, like an Everton or, a, or West Ham, like that, type, that size of club, whereas Newcastle are, you know, on the brink of relegation. So it's a, it's a very different climate. Uh, climate. So I'm interested to see how you know how that plays out in terms of how much respect they get, uh, just how the fans react in general once they start making big money signings. I think it'll be a couple of years before they sign any players. Like I don't think they'll sign Mbappe or Kane or any of that. Yeah, I, they maybe they could go in for Kane. I could see that happening. I don't think uh, Tottenham will accept, but maybe I you know fits the Alan Shearer mold of yeah. Like um, I, I, I could see them trying if they have enough money. I could see them buying him. I don't know if he'd go though. That's the thing. I, I think he'd want to wait a couple of years to make sure that they're like at least in Europe before he goes. But yeah, I, I think, think that see, would yeah. kind of seal Taylor his Navas, Martial, Van de Beek, all realistic signings. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's really kind of everything we've touched on. I think we're all in agreement. Newcastle aren't really going to be serious challengers, um, at least for the next four to five seasons. Um, Got to build up. Yeah. It's more than just getting those marquee players. It's going to be, and the big thing that we we aren't touching on today is the manager, you know, Antonio Conte. I find it hard to believe that he would go for the job, but you never know. Um, but that concludes the second episode of the cornerkicker.com podcast. Make sure, as mentioned before, to follow us on Instagram and follow us on Spotify. That way you get updates as to whenever we post episode three and future episodes. And uh, thank you for listening.